Father God, we just welcome you here. We thank you for this time. Um, we want to be in your presence, and we invite you to um, just let your will be done and let your purpose for drawing each of these ladies here in each of their hearts be served uh, according to your plan. And we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, um, first thing I'm going to do is bother you guys a little bit. Um, <laughs> if I could bother you to just move up, I'm not going to bite anybody. And we are going to start getting to know each other. It's not, we're not here to hide out and, um, you know, try to get lost in the crowd, hopefully. So if you can just move as far forward as you possibly can and try to fill in because we're going to do some things in groups. So if you can be on the same row with, um, just try to fill in the rows where you have um, a full row of people so we can work with that. So we'll try to that. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Hopefully everyone's got space and, you know, we're not, I don't want you to be uncomfortable, but I do want you to get to know each other. So, so I promised you last time that I was going to um, start, have, share a little bit of, from my journals each time. And the reason I'm doing that is because so many of you have said you're new to Bible study, or you're new to the church, or you're just trying to get closer with God, or you're trying to um, understand, you know, your relationship with God, or whatever. So the the I'm hoping that it's helpful. I um, shared last time that in 2001, I um, for the first time really started reading my Bible and getting to know the Lord through His Word. And it totally changed my life. And so that relationship is going to be different, and it's going to look different for each and every one of us. That's one of the amazing things about God is he needed every one of us to relate to us in different ways um, because we're each individual and unique. So it's not that your relationship is going to look like mine, but hopefully it's helpful just to have that view of, you know, how did that look as, as one woman was journeying along that path? So, um, and last week I shared from July of 2001. This is October 27th, 2001. So this path of prayer and Bible study began in July, three months ago. Now our country is in a war with terrorists, which began September 11th. I remember praying and reading the Bible so much in the days leading up to the attacks on New York and D.C. I am convinced the Holy Spirit was preparing me to handle what would happen and to be sure that my relationship with the Lord was not a psychological reaction to the terrorists, but a true spiritual journey. Now I'm starting to read The Power of a Praying Wife and The Power of a Praying Parent. I will try to record some of my prayer requests in this journal. And then I do start recording some of those. 
um, just a few days, I was praying for protection for my husband just a few days before those attacks. He was at the Pentagon. He was working in D.C. every day. Um, I, the God was really good to me that day. Um, I didn't have to worry about him because for whatever reason, they were, he was in a group that was doing an off-site in some place in southern, not southern, along the coast somewhere in Virginia. So I, was, I didn't know where he was, and I didn't know what he was doing, but I knew he wasn't at the Pentagon. So that was, um, that was a kindness for me. Um, I was praying for my brother. It's amazing to see how God has answered some of these prayer requests, and it's really helpful to keep you know, a journal of things that you've talked to the Lord about um, because you look back and you just see all that God has done. And sometimes it takes a long time. My brother was trying to sell his house and move, and he was... I, I was praying for him and his wife to know the Lord because they weren't walking with the Lord, and... Um, he was struggling with addictions to, um, he had a lot of pain, and so he was one of those unfortunate people to get addicted to the pain medicine, and he was struggling with that, so I was praying for that, and I can um, tell you that that years have gone by, but he's in a different place, his wife is in a different place, and they are just doing so well, so it's praise the Lord for that. So just all these different things that I was praying for at that time that God has answered. Um, one thing I mentioned, I mentioned the Holy Spirit in that journal entry, and one thing that helped me so much in my relationship with God was I had not been taught about the Holy Spirit, and I didn't really even know what that was. I mean, I'd heard people say the Holy Ghost or whatever, and I didn't understand. And for me, it was like a missing piece of the puzzle because I'm, I can be very literal sometimes, and I literally would think, okay, Jesus is in heaven, and maybe it doesn't work this way, but this is just the way my brain was working, so... Jesus is in heaven, and um, I know he can be here with me, but I don't really understand how. And so just to know that God had provided for that, that it was almost like I instinctually knew that, that the Holy Spirit existed or something, but I just didn't understand it. And so when I learned that the Holy Spirit actually is here, um, the the, the person of the um, Godhead that is here with me and even lives in me to be the one. Because I was just like, okay, if I need help, you know, Jesus is up there. What is he going to do? And how is he going to help me? And so just that knowledge. And um, is, is anybody have able to read... Um, Genesis 1, 1 and 2 from last week. If someone could just turn to that. As we talked about the how the Holy Spirit was hovering. Anybody raise your hand. Oh. Two glasses. Okay, go ahead, Shannon. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. So that word hovering, um, 
we talked about how that was the Holy Spirit hovering and you know bringing life to the earth and in Psalm uh, 17 verse 8 there are um, that verse tells us that um, God it, it the same word different words are used in different translations but basically it communicates to us and the same word is used uh, that's used for hovering that lets us know that God is hovering over us the same way and it's not like way up there it's like right here like and we know that if we're a believer he lives he actually lives in us but he's just actually covering us with his feathers like a like a hen like a mother hen who's just protecting her chicks so he's not far away he's right here so that was something that was very important in my own relationship was just to understand that um, also we're gonna do another activity this week as we um, did something last week every week I'm gonna try to either do something that helps us get to know each other or on some weeks we are gonna be blessed with um, some worship time in the beginning so either one or the other but um, I'm just really proud of how everyone stood up and shared last time I'm just I my heart just swelled um, the way that you guys all responded and we talked about being created in the image of God and that that meant that we're able to respond to him and communicate with him and that we are um, designed for intimacy with him and with each other and every single one of you who stood up last week reflected that just reflected reflected that ability and so I just I'm really uh, excited for this group and and excited to see what God is going to do throughout this year and how he's going to change our lives um, so let's this week what I want to do just we're going to take about five minutes and um, how many do we have at this point I need you to be and just make your I was going to do it by rows um, I think we can still do that because we're sort of filled in sparsely so what we'll do is we'll take rows of two and so these two rows you guys turn around here and and face each other and what I want you to do is I want you to learn all the names of the people in your two rows and then <laughs> I want one of you I want you guys to somehow come up with who is going to stand up and say the names of all the people in your group now the thing is I want you to cover your names while they're saying your names <laughs> so that's the bad news <laughs> no don't write it down I really want you guys to learn some names learn each other's names get acquainted but the good news is here's the good news is that um, anybody in your group other than the person whose name you're trying to remember can help you remember their name if you forget like if you have a, a, a lapse like I do with people's names like that I've known for like 20 years like um, 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 um Marsha yeah okay so okay so you guys are and let's well some of you have fewer people on your so all right well the, you two can be a group you guys are a group you guys are a group and 
Ashley, would you like to come up here and be a group with? <laughs> okay, so you guys are a group back here. Oh, just the first name. No, just first name. First names, everybody. Okay. First names. Yep. Okay, you got two more minutes. Is everybody ready? Okay. I think we're ready. Oh, we got a couple of newcomers. Let's let them join us real quick. Find a row. Find a row that has few people. <laughs> Can you guys add? <laughs> All right, we'll just give them about 30 seconds. <laughs> incorporated your new people okay okay good all right we're gonna get we're gonna get started we're gonna start with the noisy crew up here so <laughs> all right so um, let's see the way we'll do it let's have everybody stand up so they can see your beautiful faces turn this way and who is our um, name caller Mary. All right. Mary okay <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, go ahead. Eunice, Amber, Beth, Shannon, Emily. Oh, all right. Set a high bar. Great, thank you. All right, next. Go ahead. Turn around so we can see. Uh, we didn't really decide that. <laughs> uh, Sophie, Natasha, Anna, Gwen, and Joretta. Jo yes. Fabulous. And you? Gloria. Gloria. Yay. <laughs> All right. Everybody stand. You can face the front because everybody's. Just try to generally face the other ladies. <laughs> Yay. Wonderful, Pam. Thank you. So there's not two Pams. You're just, you just said you're on my own. Okay, good. No, that's great. Fabulous. Hi. That's all right. And your name is Mary. Okay, so we're just going to, you know what? Actually, we're going to do some group things later. And this group is, would you mind sitting with like this group here? They're kind of, they have less people. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, so everyone stand up. We're doing, they had a few minutes to learn each other's names. So. Um, my name's Tracy Ann. This is Christy and Maria and Melissa in Maryland. Mm -hmm. All right, thank you. You guys are whizzes. Okay, next group. I'm, I'm Megan. Yep. This is Lori, this is Linda. Melanie, Michelle, Casey, and Emily. Okay. You guys are smart and have good memories. <laughs> All right. Last group. Yay. All right. <laughs> okay. So it's starting to get um, a little more um, personal. Yeah. Do you mind confirming as your name? <laughs> I really have an issue with this. To be fair, I wasn't here last week. Yeah, maybe I I was, and I can't remember. Arlette. Arlette. Mary, you're very good. Yes. Arlette, yes. So um, this, um, this quote, actually, maybe I just didn't tell you my name on purpose because we're going from more general to more specific, right? And we're learning lots of names today, so maybe that was it. But, um, oops, oh, please work now. No, I think I got it off of its, it was working. This was the one, I think, it was, this was the, oh, wow. <laughs> Fabulous, okay. I think I got it off its track. and It's what? I know, yeah, I went to the left. This thing is my nemesis. Okay, so um, I also like to do like a little quote of the week that seems relevant, and I have no idea who this guy is. I just got this off the internet, so if you go and find out he's like some, you know, buddy with, some says other things that are bad, then don't 
don't come to me and say, you gave us this really bad guy. It's just this quote, okay, I liked it. <laughs> Communication through revelation is part of what makes Christianity unique. It takes you from a vague idea of there is some kind of something up there to a personal God who communicates with us, revealing what he is like and how to have a relationship with him. And he does that through his word. Um, so one of the things that um, is a takeaway from our lesson, and that's kind of our theme. The quote kind of is a bit of our theme for the week of just communication through revelation and a personal, things becoming more personal and getting to know each other. And part of that is is learning names and learning who we are. Um, Last week, we talked about Psalm 95, and this week, I'm going to read just one part of Psalm 100, Psalm, verse 3, Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So... Last week when we studied Genesis 1, I don't know if you noticed this, but God was referred to as God. And um, in this week's lesson, or in this week's ch- chapter 2, it's the Lord God. And so the Lord God is a personal name for God, and we're going to review some of that later. But um, God set the stage from the very first chapter of Genesis to show us that he's the big God up there. He is up there. He's everywhere, but he is the big God up there. He made everything. He has authority over everything. So we need to understand that. In order to relate to him, everything is foundational on us understanding that that is who he is. And that he is our creator. There, it, it just is that way. And there's, there's no other way to relate to him. So moving forward, you, we really can't move forward without that understanding. So it's, he, it's not by accident, obviously, that he established himself as the creator of the universe and the creator of us, the maker of us. And so this verse, it is he who made us and not we ourselves, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We're needy. We were designed to need him. We are not autonomous beings. And I think that's one of the things I struggled with the most. I was a very, uh, partially because of the way I was raised and um, just that's human nature now, um, to think that we are autonomous and to not really know all the ways that we do. We depend on God to keep the stars and the moon and the sun all going in the right places, to keep the biomes and the atmospheres at the right temperatures and with the right oxygen levels. And there's all those things that we don't even think about that are necessary to produce food for us and um, not to mention our day-to-day lives. But again, he is that Holy Spirit also hovering close 
to us. So it's exciting. It's exciting that the God, the big creator God, is also the God who knows me and who wants to know me and wants to be part, have a relationship with me, each one of us. But it's just key that we understand that that's who he is and that's who, how we need to relate to him as creator before we can um, really move forward in our relationship with him. So I'm going to try to just quickly read through um, and review uh, this week versus last week's lesson. We're going to read through Genesis 2, and um, then we're going to move on to our um, scripture verses and actually getting through applying the, the lessons to our lives. So let's go through... Open your Bibles to um, Genesis chapter 2, and I'm just going to read through this week's lesson, starting, I'm actually going to start with verse 3, because even though that wasn't technically with this week's lesson, just to emphasize that point that it was, um, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. So we're starting to get more personal. We have a a more personal name for God that's in that verse now. Before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. So this is a little bit of um, a different perspective from last week. Last week we were in the cosmos, and we were... um, we were talking about, you know, the big things, getting everything situated, um, the, the setting of the stars, the earth, the dry land. Um, now we're getting more details about what was going on. So this isn't a different story. This is the same story. This is just more detailed and more personal. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So this is very intimate. Now we learn that this is the way that um, God made man able to be alive to himself. It was a very uh, up-close and I mean, he literally came and breathed into the man's nostrils. I mean, you don't get any closer than that. And this is where he gave the man spirit and made him able to respond and to hear his voice. We talked about being able to hear God's voice. And this is when that happened. So he was alive to God. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Okay, now it's, last week it was man 
male and female. Now, we're starting to get the story about exactly what happened when the man was, became alive to God. So it's exciting, that very first man. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. It was very beautiful. We get that from the description, that it was a very beautiful place. It was pleasing to the sight. The food was good. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So those are specific trees. Last time we talked about plants, and this time we're talking about specific trees that God is referring to. So the details are getting more detailed. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. So we're going from not just seas or waters, now we actually have river names, names of rivers. So this is an actual, you know, location of where this, these details are occurring. And the gold of that land is good. Bedellium and the onyx stone are there. So some precious stones are, are also there, more description. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush, which was basically Egypt, I believe, or northern Africa, anyway. The name of the third river is Tigris. It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates, and those two are actual rivers that we can identify even in current times. Then... The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So now we have a place name, like Leesburg or Loudoun County. It's Eden, and it's a garden. Um, And the man is given a job to do. He's given the job of tending and keeping the garden. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree in the garden you may freely eat. Now this is first the positive, the unrestricted. There's there's so many trees and so many options for eating. And then one restriction in verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So it's very clear. There is a restriction given, there's a test, and the consequences are very clear. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So this is the first time God notices something that's not right in his creation, and not good in his creation. And what he's showing his concern for the man's needs. The man has a need for intimacy with um, another person who's like himself. He needs, um, he needs someone to relate to, just like we all do. 
Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So there's a waiting period. God has noticed the man's need, but he has time to kind of sit on it for a while and um, actually feel it. I mean, that happens to us sometimes where God is concerned about our need and he's aware of it and help is coming, but there's a waiting period. And so meanwhile, he has Adam busy naming all the animals, which actually, when you think about it, is quite a powerful thing. And uh, I'm sure that was a lot of fun for God and Adam. I picture that being a time of just God, you know, like when you watch your child um, seeing, seeing, you see things through the eyes of your child. And so God was enjoying, I'm sure, seeing the things that Adam would notice about each animal that he had created. So, and just the creativity, the language. Now, my son started college this year, and he has, he's in, he's a business major, but he has um, one music appreciation class, and the teacher on the very first day told the class that Man did not have language. They had music. They played um, musical instruments before they had language. So clearly that is in contradiction to what we read in the scripture. And my son was quite, and he's like, I thought this was going to be like a non-worrisome class. I didn't have to, you know, put up my guard. I'm like, well, even music, you know, you have to know what the scripture says in order to know whether what you're being taught and told is true. So he was a little bit um, aggravated with that. But clearly, the first man had the power of language and intellect and creativity and all those things. And so if someone says otherwise, then you know that's not true. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Now here, again, we find out exactly how um, woman was made. In chapter 1, we know that um, male and female were both made in the image of God, and so clearly, um, the breath of life was there uh, and given to Eve as well. And this process, though, I think the way it's described is really beautiful. And we, we know that gender is something that God designed. And God designed male and female there's no such thing as gender neutral. God is the one who chose, um, who chose our gender. And I personally think it's very special to be a woman. And there are definitely times when I haven't always appreciated that. And my mom, in fact, used to say, it's a man's world. And I, I actually believed that for a long time, but um, Scripture says otherwise. And Scripture describes this this beautiful process where it's 
it's like God is making a very special thing. He went to a lot of trouble to create this woman from the side of the man and equally in his image to be his partner, his, his partner in life. And then he brought her to the man. So we're going to, you know, we're going to continue and talk about, you know, how he joined the two in marriage. But he made a, a very special presentation of woman. And I think that each one of us, um, we're going to talk about self-image later, but this is one of the things that's crucial for our self-image as a woman is to understand just like God is our creator and we can't relate to him and we can't know his plan for our life and we can't you know, move on if we don't understand he made us. We can't understand ourselves if we don't go on the basis that he designed us as a woman and that's who we are and that it's good and not it's not only good it's very good it's very good and very beautiful in fact my my favorite um, verse that bolsters my self-image is Ephesians 2.10, which says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that we might walk in them. And so as a woman, each of us is his workmanship. We're his masterpiece. And we're created beautifully. And... I like how that verse also combines that we can't be saved by what we do, but we all want something good to do, you know, in this world. And so it's nice to know that God planned. I love that God planned good things for me to do, that I might do them as I walk through my life. And and that's what each of you can be assured of. So Ephesians 2.10 wasn't in the verses that we were given for application, but I threw it in there because I really like it and I think it's important. So I would write that one down. And then we hear the first words of Adam. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So I think he was just very excited at that point. He's got someone like him to relate to. Therefore... A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And with these beautiful words, God instituted the first marriage. And clearly we see that it says a man shall be joined to his wife. So one man, one woman joined to become one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. So this was a beautiful, intimate moment for um, creation, and then God pronounced it, it was very good. I'm sorry. Uh huh. 
they become what Adam and Eve are. He brings the animals to him that gives Adam not just the job, but the responsibility. Mm-hmm. And in that, he's also giving Adam, he's honoring Adam in a way, where he's telling Adam how important you are to me and I'm giving you this. Absolutely. And the animal, you're a bird, now the bird's a bird. But it has its purpose. Adam was given the privilege of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I would agree, totally agree. That's beautiful. Yeah, thanks for sharing. <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, okay, so just quickly to sum up last week and this week. Okay, so last week in Genesis 1, The setting, let's just go back and review. The setting um, is cosmic. It's large. It's majestic. There's things going on that are beyond our understanding, like eternity and beginning time, um, establishing all order for life. We read Ecclesiastes um, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, how there's a time for everything under the sun. So God established an order for life. And the fact that all creation is completed and upheld by the spoken word of God. How some God can speak and something can become something from nothing. We, don't, we can't understand that. Our minds can't get around those things. Light, atmosphere, heavenly bodies, we can study them, but you know God created them at that time. Categories were general. We had seas, we had dry lands, we had plants and animals. Now, in Genesis 2, the setting is described more precisely and personally. Um, And there are proper names given to things. Um, There's a place named Eden. And I don't know that that the tree of life is a proper name or tree of knowledge of good and evil is a proper name. But it's definitely more specific. And then rivers are given proper names. And then the animals each received a name from Adam. So the setting is definitely becoming more personal. The characters begin to exhibit more uh, intimacy. The the name for God, now we are hearing the Lord God. Um, God is Elohim, which is a more general term, you know, God. And then... um, Yahweh Elohim is the personal and proper name of God. And then, of course, our male and female, we're, now we have Adam and Eve. So we're getting to know those characters more. And then we're also given further details about what's happening, which we call the plot. Uh, In Genesis 1, we learn God created man, male and female, in his own image. And in Genesis 2, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, planted a garden, and put the man in it to work. 
gave the man freedom to eat from any tree in the garden, but not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, gave Adam the privilege of naming all the animals, and formed a woman from the rib of Adam and brought her to Adam to be joined in marriage with him. And just for you ladies who are single or divorced and would like to be married again, um, the fact that God was able, you know, demonstrated bringing um, Eve to Adam is good news for you because he can do that for you as well. He can bring you into the life of the man that he has intended for you. So he's... He's very powerful that way. And I think that's meant to give encouragement. And then the dialogue also is more complex and varied, which a lot of times indicates as we begin to talk about more things and more complex things with people, you notice as we get to know them, the variety of topics we speak about and the level of communication just becomes more complex. So God communicates um, in this dialogue his first and only restriction and then he expresses concern for the man's lack of a suitable companion and then we also learn the first recorded words of Adam about Eve. So are there any questions about this week's lesson before we continue on to our application time? Yeah. I take it literally that he literally brought him each and every animal, and that would take a long period of time. Yeah. I think it was a huge, yeah, I think it was a huge privilege, and it was, um, you know, I don't want to get too um, specific here, because I think within our genders, you know, we are very diverse, and when I say, you know, we're male and female, that we are, and that's who we're created to be, but Within that, there is so much, you know, freedom of, of who we are and, you know, what talents we have and what gifts we have and what propensities we have and how we relate, you know, in our relationships and our marriages and, and God's plans for each of our lives. But I do think that, um, you know, men kind of tend to, to need, I know my husband does, um, 
most of his, and I don't mean just sex, and most of his needs for very personal intimacy are, you know, he needs me. He's, he's the kind of guy who doesn't seem like he needs anything because he's very, you know, good leader and um, just, you know, he'll, he'll even, he's not even, I'm kind of lucky in this sense because I'm not a great cook, but he'll even like eat, he'll just happily eat peanut butter for dinner. But his, he, you know, and he'll talk to anybody. He's very friendly. But that intimate, you know, personal, like letting down your guard kind of intimacy is reserved for me. And so it took me actually a long time. I used to kind of kid him, like, well, you don't really need me. And I kind of, especially when he was off working all the time, I just sort of felt like, oh, you know, his job is what he does and what am I here for? But in truth, um, it's good to remember those of us, you know, who are married that regardless of what it may seem like, the, our husbands need us. They need, they need that intimacy. And sometimes we're the only ones who get to that level of intimacy. And, and I don't even mean, like I said, just not just sex, but personal, just the personalness of it, if you will. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of connect that with the time that he spent alone because Eve never had that. She got there and Adam was already there. So she never experienced the same kind of aloneness that he did. And, you know, again, I don't want to be too general, but I know for me, I relate to... You know, all my women friends, and in fact, sometimes my husband will be like, can you just go tell a girlfriend, because I just can't deal with what, <laughs> whatever is going on with you today, I just can't deal with it. Yeah. And, and one other thing I had realized before when I studied Genesis, that the command given to Adam was given only when Adam was assisted. It's not that Eve gives him out, but from, from what I understand, it seems like if it's in the that's the order that yeah. seems to be presented. So, so I, it's not clear to me how, yeah, is that where you were going? It's not. Right. Well, clearly she knew it because she was held accountable for it, but it's not presented to us. That detail of that dialogue is not presented to us. I guess I, I get really lonely when I create things out of like, oh, if he actually wants us standing here listening, like Adam was. Adam actually got to <laughs> I don't think she was let off the hook at all. <laughs> She was fully accountable. I know we would like to think, but no, she was definitely fully accountable. And God definitely held her accountable for her actions. Yeah. Good questions. Okay. Um, were there any, before we move on, any other questions? Yeah, just one question. Yeah. Um, something that I've always kind of wondered about. Um, <clears throat> so how come, is there any kind of a theory about, way to look at it as to why God created Eve from Adam instead of just by herself. Like, he creates Adam from nothing, 
So I've always wondered from why dust. He, yeah, why didn't he create Eve from nothing? And, and she's like a separate, you know, um, person that he creates. Well, she is a separate person because she's not, you know, he he forms a full separate human being. Um, male and female represent together the reflect the image of God. So that lets us know that God has what we might consider feminine qualities as well as masculine qualities. He's referred to as God, the Father, and Jesus was a man, yes, but um, the fact that, you know, he designed male and female to reflect his image lets us know that he also has feminine qualities. And, uh, it, my answering that might be that the whole purpose was a union. Yeah. So it, it's sort of symbolic that this woman is created from the first man. Therefore, we have the first union between husband and wife. So it's not um, it's not at all any sort of subservience or anything like that. It's more the symbolism so that Adam would understand, so that Eve would understand, and therefore generations going forward would understand the, the really special, holy, significant. I also take it to, I, I, yes, totally agree with that. And I also, but I actually, this is kind of hard to explain, but I, I kind of take it as a positive in terms of um, God described all this detail about, you know, how he formed Adam from the dust and blew the breath of life into his nostrils. And so I take it that in addition to, that they are joined to be joined and are complementary to one another, that it reflects that, you know, everything that was contained in Adam is also contained in Eve. Like it's not, it's not a, there's no, um, Exactly. Yeah. That's kind. Of, I think you're kind of working yeah. toward the same thing that I'm trying to say. That's how I see it. Is that, Does that help? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Well, we will go ahead and um, move on to the second part of our um, lesson, the application. Um, so this is really... Um, this is really important, and God just really walked me through at some point, and, and it was actually years after I, I had been studying the Bible for years, and, and I know some scripture was getting in there, and um, 
I was getting to know God better, but God let me go through a time um, where I was, and I'm not generally an anxious person, and I had, I was kind of fearless, you know, as a young person, and he let me go through a time where I was just undergoing terrible anxiety, and the long and short of it is that he needed me to understand how important it is that I really depend on him and the way that I do that is that I depend on his word I don't just know it but I and I don't just like believe it like generally speaking but that I use it and I literally my life depends on it and so I um, during that time just started um as I would have my quiet time, I started writing down verses that would help me and be important to me. And I would write at the top, like, the topic that I felt like it applied to. And I'd write out the verse and where I got it. And so some of the topics I ended up, God's sovereignty, do not fear, um, another do not fear. You can tell I was having a lot of anxiety. <laughs> another do not fear, be comforted. <laughs> Fight confusion. You're getting the picture. So um, if you're just starting out with the Bible, one of the things I would have loved to have like gotten early on was this ability to take topics that are um, like for our topic today, a healthy self-image, and have truths that I could depend on and know what they were and have them accessible. And, um, you know, maybe someone could have had suggested something like that, but I apparently wasn't paying attention at that time. So I just, um, we're going to go through the, the questions in the workbook, but I just pulled out all the verses because if we don't get anything else out of this, it's, each week, each week when we go through the application, what I really want you to understand is that these verses are applicable for these topics, and you have these now. They're like part of your shield faith, so um, use them, take them, find some sort of a system, whether it's you know this kind of a thing or a binder or whatever it is, take away that these are your tools, these are your, this is your... This is your bread and butter here. This is literally your bread. Um, okay, so I'm going to hand out these note cards. And um, I need, let's see, we're going to get in groups again. Some of these have a scripture written on them. And in a little while, I'm going to call on those of you who have the ones with the scriptures. So I'm going to need you to look those up. And I'm going to call on you to stand up and read those out loud for us. So that's what those are. But um, all of you can use these cards to write whatever scripture, and whether it's one or two or whatever. Um, pick at least the one that speaks to you most today and write it out on these lines. Just write a healthy self-image and write out the one that spoke to you the most. So we'll use these in a little bit. I'll pass out these first. Make sure those all get... I need to make sure that the scripture verses get passed out first. 
Hmm? Is it blank on both sides? Yep. Oh, well, you can have another one. <laughs> oh, no, not all of them have a scripture oh, okay. verse. That's so, asking, yeah, yeah it, they're sort of self selecting. Oh, did they all get up on this side? They ended up on that side. Well, so that's all right. The so, blank ones are the ones that you wanted to write down the verse that speaks to us. Yes. Okay. And one side is blank, even on the ones that have a verse mentioned. Okay? So, even the people. Yeah, is it okay to write on the back of it? Yes. Yes, that's what I was trying to communicate. That, um, no, it's going to be, don't write it yet. Don't do anything yet unless you have one that you need to look up and you can do that and hold your place. But it's going to be a while before I ask you because we're going to do something else first. But I just wanted to get these. Does everybody have a card? We have more cards. We don't have a card. Okay. Anybody else need cards? Nobody got cards over here. Okay. Thank you. All right, here we go. Pass out cards. <laughs> okay, so before we get to that, I want you to get back in your groups. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to discuss uh, among yourselves, you are going to discuss um, the first three questions in How's Your Self-Image. So let me just read. Just open your workbooks to page 10, and I'll just read the introduction to that. How is your sense of self-worth? Each of us carries a mental picture of ourselves, and often it screams at us to be different. Great emotional and social stress stems from poor self-esteem as well as all kinds of destructive behavior. The most solid foundation for a healthy self-image is not found in what other people think, but in grasping God's truth about us. In Genesis 1 and 2, we observe God's creation of the universe, the earth, plants, and creatures of the earth, and a beautiful garden, all in preparation for humanity. With his own hands, he formed man, and with his breath, God gave him the capacity for a personal relationship with the Creator. With this, the great value of each human is be, of each human being is firmly established. Beginning with the creation story and throughout the Bible, God encourages us to believe in ourselves as we trust in Him. Now, I want everyone to underline or circle "believe in ourselves as we trust in Him." God wants both of these things, but they have to go together. God doesn't want us feeling bad about ourselves. He doesn't want us feeling pitiful and puny. He wants us to believe in ourselves, but not because we are autonomous and don't need him, which is what you know we tend to act like a lot of the time, but because we trust in him. So because we trust in him, we can believe in ourselves. And the more we trust in him, the more we can believe in ourselves and the more we can achieve what it is that he has for us to do. Okay, so together these two create a healthy self-image. Let's look at some biblical truths that support self-esteem. But first, get back into your groups and if new people have come in, 
make yourselves welcome in or people welcome them into your groups. <laughs> we learned names earlier, so you'll have to quickly learn names and um, move forward. And first discuss um, what in our society encourages a poor self-image, what false values um, can determine self-worth. That's question one. How might a poor self-image affect our relationship with God, our relationship with other people, and our daily tasks? And then what can be observed about man's worth to God from Genesis 1 and 2? So we've reviewed Genesis 1 and 2 enough now, I think, that um, you, know, you should be able to um, discuss that. So we're going to spend about... Um, Let's see what time is it right after. We'll spend about 10 minutes doing that. Five or 10 minutes. We'll see how everything's going. And I'll be here, so if anybody needs has a question or needs anything, just like raise your hands.
take about one more minute to wrap up what you're, what, yeah, one more minute. Okay, I want to make sure we have time to spend on the verses and that we still try to get out of here a little early. So, where are my scripture readers? Okay, this is the A team today. <laughs> okay. Okay, ladies, we're going to we're going to move on. Okay. So who has um Psalm 139 um 13 through 18? Okay, great. So go ahead. We're this verse um speaks to the our uniqueness and worth to God. Can you stand up and try to speak really loudly? Okay. Psalm 139, 13 through 18. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame not hidden from you, when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Beautiful. Which part of that verse speaks most deeply to you? Um, Eunice. Yes. Hmm. I, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah, that's kind of the heart of it, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So um, that verse comes to my mind sometimes when I'm criticizing myself. <laughs> like um, with things that I wish were different about, especially my personality. I always wanted to be one of those um, uh, I call them the unflappables. 
and <laughs> the women who seem, you know, they have four or five boys and, you know, they just kind of go around and no matter what happens, they stay calm and that just isn't me. And, but I um, can be a lot of fun to be around and, you know, there's other things that, that um, kind of are good about me, but when I lie off the handle or lose it or uh, am overreacting to something and just think, oh, uh, I'm just such a goof, then that verse sometimes can um, be a really good one term. I like, no, God, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He said so. <laughs> Um, okay, who has Luke 12, 6 through 8? And I added 8 onto that because I think verse 8 is um, a good part of that as well. Would you like to share the part of that that speaks to you the most? Mm-hmm. Yep, it's definitely the uniqueness. I mean, you think about sparrows, and if you see a whole flock of sparrows, they sort of all look the same, don't they? But they're not the same to God. So the fact that he can distinguish between all the sparrows in the world uh, certainly lets us know that he can distinguish between each one of us. We are definitely more unique than sparrows. Um, and then that that last verse about the, um, the angels. Can you read that one more time? I just thought that was really... So Jesus actually, um, when we acknowledge him in our lives, he acknowledges us before angels. How special is that? Is that cool? I hadn't actually noticed that verse before. Okay, um, so knowing that we are loved by the creator, question five, we are loved by the creator of the universe can radically change our self-image. What do these verses say about God's love? So who has Jeremiah 31.3? Short and sweet. Would you like to share what that verse says to you?
Yeah, very tender. And everlasting tells me it doesn't go away. It's not going to um, come and go based on what I do or how I feel on a particular day. I can be uh, pretty up or pretty down depending on, you know, the weather or um, what how my day gets started, whether I slept the night before, whether there's food in the house, you know, who, what kind of phone call I got first thing in the morning, and all those things I can be, my mood can be pretty up or down, and despite how I handle that, um, God's love is everlasting, and it's not going to go away. I can count on it. Um, Romans eight thirty-eight through 39. Beautiful. And how, what do you? Um, um, I think the word that stands out is uh, love, like nothing will separate from his love. He, you know, it's very specific love. It's not nothing will separate from his judgment, from his wrath, from his watchful eyes. It's his love. Nothing that we can do will prevent him from loving us. Mm-hmm. Nothing and nothing and nothing. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's a good one. Um, that, yeah, I find that one very reassuring. All right, John 3.16. Go ahead. Okay. And how does that speak to us about God's love. That he gave his son for us and that we won't perish but have eternal life with him. Yeah. Just, yeah, we're <laughs> Yeah. We're that important and that is hard to fathom. But um that is how strong his love is for us and how powerful it is um that he was willing to make that sacrifice that he didn't want to give us up. So, um, okay. Seeing, question six, seeing God's perspective on our lives can change the course of our achievement. What do the following verses infer about worthy ambitions? So infer means we kind of have to make inferences, um, it may not be quite as obvious as some of the other um, application. So this is with regard to our achievements and our ambitions. Okay. So who had First Samuel 16.7? Okay. Did you want to take a stab with that? Any ambition, as I think, it is literally that. It's what's in your heart. It's what, it may not be necessarily what the world sees mm -hmm. or what they infer from your life, mm -hmm. but it's what's inside. It's what's mostly visible to them, hopefully visible 
Yes. Um, yeah, I love that God um, looks at what's in our hearts as opposed to what circumstances look like on the outside or, you know, what's on our Facebook page or, you know, all of, all of that. Um, I also think about how with regard to um, our achievements and our ambitions, this is talking about what's inside, which is our character. That's what's, it, that's what's inside. And so in terms of what we achieve, if we focus on our character and work hard as well and um, you know, pray and acknowledge the Lord in our lives, then it's our character that actually matters to God. It's that we are continuing to build our character. And I think um, the people in the world who have made some great achievements, who did not forsake their character in order to do that, are the people that we can really admire and respect in terms of you know how God sees things from his perspective so in terms of our own ambitions and our own desires and achievements it's just really important to remember not to ever set aside character character really does matter and in fact, is the most important thing and is what God looks at. And, but I think that it's not just that he's, you know, judging us based on our character. It's that that really is what is going to um, be our achievement, our greatest achievement, and go along with our achievements. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to be all these of Jesse's sons who was going to be selected. It was going to be David. And what we know about David as a young shepherd was that he loved God. So it's character, but it's also um, a heart that's for Heart for God. For mm-hmm. God. Right. That's what God looks at, and that's what he says is of great value and great worth. Right. And so, he was... you know, the world looks at, I mean, we all do. We look at other things. We look at what we see in front of us, but God looks at and reveres and loves and honors a heart that's oriented toward him. And is, yes, which would include um, being quick to ask forgiveness when we make a mistake and, but, and also who knows his laws mm-hmm. and who wants to keep his laws. And so ultimately, um, you know, if that's what we do, then we are building character as well. But yes, the, the love for God is what will ultimately motivate us to work on our character. I don't, you know, I would love to have character, but doing what it takes I, is sometimes not something that I'm as excited about. So, <laughs> so it's my love for God, just trusting him and loving him day by day and in and living in his love that, you know, enables me to to keep doing this. So those things do work together. Um, Okay, and then Proverbs 31.30. Okay. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, 
but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. It cut and dry. Does anybody else have anything they want to? I mean, we could talk about this one for the rest of the night, but um, that the note there says fear means reverent trust, and I made a note. Um, this is actually one of the questions that I've gotten the most from people: um, is Am I supposed to be afraid of God? What does that mean to the fear of the Lord? What is that? So I just made a note um, to that recently on um, Sunday on August 26th when Pastor Gary was going through Psalm 119 and specifically in reference to verse 120, he did um, a very balanced explanation of what it means to have the fear of the Lord, a healthy fear. So a healthy fear is good for our self-image. And I'm not going to try to repeat all of what he said, but I just thought if that's the question in your mind, that that would be a good um, one of his teachings to refer to if you missed it. It was August the 26th. And... Um, it was in reference to Psalm 119, verse 120. So he was just talking about there is a healthy fear of the Lord, and then, um, well, I won't go into it. But go ahead. Um, I was just thinking that in our day and time, um, what's really revered about women is usually their looks, the outer appearance. And this is really saying that what's really praiseworthy is a woman who's beautiful on the inside because of her relationship with the Lord or what have you. And I'm thinking about our kids. I mean, what do they love about us as moms? It's not, oh, she's so beautiful. I mean, they might say that occasionally, but it's us person, you know, that they love, the person of character who's pointing them to the Lord, who's there for them whenever they need us, you know, what have you, all those different things. It's those inner qualities that makes us beautiful to them, where there's, uh, in the Proverbs, it also talks about, you know, the woman of, who's so valuable, they're, they're praising her, you know, their family is singing her praises, and they're, you know, referencing her as a husband gate, whatever, I can't remember quite the verses, but, you know, it's not, she buys land, and, it's not because of what she looks like, so, I mean, that's good news, right, because, mm -hmm. Yes, and if we, again, back to building character, if we, you know, we do, honestly, we do tend to obsess over our looks and our appearance, and um, when you guys talked in your groups, that might have been one of the things that you talked about, uh, that society kind of influences us, and um, especially in the, the social media day and age, <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, at some point, if you haven't focused on what's inside, then you can feel like an empty shell at some point in your life. So, 
And in, in regards to the healthy tier of villains, what I got from Pastor Gary's sermon <laughs> was more it, the fear. The healthy tier was more of like showing honor and respect, and you know that to the Lord rather than like, oh my God, I just no, right, you know, not being afraid. But having a healthy respect, yeah. yeah, yeah, he went into he went into a lot of yeah, detail that I thought that I really was like, wow, that's really good, because <laughs> I just yeah, I I kind of paid attention to it because I've had people ask me that question more times probably even than like like people don't usually just write out ask well how can I be saved <laughs> I, don't, I mean maybe you know they do if you're a pastor or whatever but. Um, but a lot of times I've had people ask me, well, what does that mean, the fear of the Lord? Am I supposed to be afraid of God? So I just thought I'd pass that along if that's, you know, one of your questions. Okay. Um, and then we are going to, we have about 10 more minutes, and I'm going to go ahead and try to end by 845, so we'll get through as many more. I think we can get through the rest of these. Micah 6, 8. So what does that have to do with achievement and ambition? Well, I think that you can't really enjoy achievement fully unless you can also learn how to be humble. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's a pretty lonely place if you think that you're better than everyone else, including God. <laughs> I, I mean, that seems pretty ridiculous to me, that concept. Yeah, that um, word humility jumped out at me as well with regard. Yeah, the the fact that every single any time I'm kind of looking down on someone, whether not usually someone in front of me, but on TV I can see something I can be like, oh that person needs to be in jail or you know whatever, and then that you know that person is created in the image of God. So. It's really hard to do, <laughs> well, I'm just talking about watching the news. <laughs> I don't actually. It's yeah. We won't even get into TV. Uh, there's not much TV that I find that great anymore. And, and even the news. <laughs> but uh, okay. So yeah. So as um, let's see. What did I work? I wrote as we work to fulfill our goals and dream and dreams God expects us to have humility to be able to listen to him and learn from our mistakes and to be kind and fair in our dealings with other people so that's how I Mm-hmm. And you and you, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So as we're going about our business and you know doing our um, jobs or trying to accomplish certain things, then again, it's we need to remember to be kind and fair and merciful in our dealings with other people as we go along. Because sometimes, yeah, somebody takes credit for something I did or you know, what have you. But um, it's good to, to remember to forgive. And then, speaking of forgiving, question seven, freedom can, from guilt can help our self-worth. What does First John 1, 9 say about God's forgiveness? Do we believe that? Absolutely. Do we act like we do? Do we do we go to God and um, admit that what we did was wrong? Do we? You know, that's. I'm, these are rhetorical questions. So <laughs> nobody needs to stand up and ask it. <laughs> so, but. It's it is true, and he will forgive, and, and he he doesn't delay about it either. So he's not like we are. Our feelings kind of have to be dealt with a little bit before we can truly forgive someone. Sometimes, and God has to help us in that because it's just not our nature. Question eight: What do we what we say to ourselves can also affect our self worth? What does Philippians 4.8 instruct us to concentrate on about ourselves? Okay? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Okay, I'm claiming that one tonight. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one I'm going to write on my card tonight, so... Go home and think about what is pure and lovely and admirable and good about yourself and realize that God told you to do that. Yeah, it's a good one to think about our husbands that way too, huh? <laughs> they deserve that as well. Okay, um, a sense of inadequacy can prevent us from trying new things and reaching our potential. What does God promise if we put our trust in Him? Philippians 4.13 Okay. I like that one. Yay! <laughs> All right, so we don't have to be afraid to try new things. It goes back to um, we can believe in ourselves because we trust in him. All right, 2 Corinthians 12.9. And, oh, by the way, you just said that so well, I just thought 
and with such excitement, it expressed itself. I, <laughs> I didn't feel like I was, maybe you needed to express something else, but it was like, yes, the way she said that was like the story told. <laughs> okay, Second Corinthians, um, no, Philippians, yes, yeah, Second Corinthians 12.9. No. It's what? I I have a love-hate relationship with that one. It's okay to have weaknesses because that's what makes us rely, I think, on God all the more. Yes, Christ's power rests on me. Yeah. And there are those times when things just don't go well and everything goes wrong, including my reaction to it and um so god's grace is sufficient yep and then second corinthians five seventeen. therefore if anyone is in christ the new creation has come the old has gone the new is here and for me I, god gave me this scripture verse on purpose because I, I was a because prodigal. I prayed that he would. <laughs> I was a prodigal for 27 years. Mm. So for me to know that now I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation, and the old has gone. All of those things, all of those mistakes, all of that sin that I lived in, it's gone as far as the east is to the west. And um, for me, it's like a promise mm. to know that I am here in him. Like he loves me so much, but he's created me in him. Mm. So, yeah, this, this is definitely, I, I That's so cool. That is so cool. Thank you for sharing that. And I did pray with each one of these scriptures that the right person would get them and that there would be, you know, some significance to that. So I really appreciate you pointing that out. And that's a good, that's a great testimony to for us to to end on. Um, I relate to Pastor too. The being in Christ. I mean, what she was saying. And the new the character, the past character, and that we're a new creation. Yeah. And letting go of the characters that maybe you didn't like about yourself. Or I call that healing. Sanctification. It's just he, he mm-hmm. works all of these things out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave my heart back to the Lord September 9th, 2007, so just 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And in the past 10 years, it's just been amazing when I can look back because I do the journaling and mm-hmm. I can look back on my journals and I'll read them occasionally just to remind myself where I was mm-hmm. and where God has brought me. And it's just been nothing but miraculous. It's true. It's absolutely true. Love it. Thank you. Appreciate that. Okay. So we are new creations, and he is continually making us new. So the things, just for as I close this in prayer, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And, um, you know, because until we actually do stand before him in heaven... 
um, there will still be things that he is making new. Um, I, and I just want you to think if there is anything that you're struggling with, with regard to your own self-image right now. And so just quietly to yourself, just close your eyes and just kind of check in there and see if the discussions tonight or any of the scriptures or anything that's on your mind just reminds you of something that, um, that is a personal struggle with regard to self-image. And I'm going to pray for our personal struggles and um, close us. Father, I just thank you again for your word. And I thank you for the beautiful hearts of these sharing and caring women here tonight. And I thank you that you're hovering so close to each one of them that you are literally touching them. And Lord, I just pray for each one as she thinks about what her personal struggles are in this moment that you would touch her that you would minister to her that you would bring the truth of your word to her in a very personal and meaningful way all week this week that you would make your presence known through her circumstances, through people that she comes into contact with, and through the time that she spends with you and your word this week. And I thank you that you are our good and loving Father who always loves us and always will. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>